Thanks for tuning in and making Res Life a part of your day. Whether this is your first time listening or this is a part of your weekly rhythm, we are glad you're here. If you'd like to connect more throughout the week, check us out at reslife.org, download our app, or follow us on social media. It's time for today's message, so let's dive in. So we're in a series of messages, and we're simply calling Going Deeper. Right? From Psalm 42 in verse 7, it says, Deep calls to deep. Now, the deep in God calls to you. Something on the inside of you just reaching out for God. Now, no matter where you are in your spiritual journey, there is a next step for you. And no matter where you are in your spiritual journey, there's more. Right? The, uh, the, the prophet Ezekiel compared it to a river. He said, now you can walk in and get up to your ankles. You know, and a lot of people, they're, they're content. They're like, you know what? I got some fire insurance. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to make heaven. And they're in up to their ankles. But he said, then you can go in and you can get up to your knees. And then he said, you could keep going and get up to your waist. But he says, you can keep going. And he said, and the river of God is like a river that there is so much water, you can just swim and swim and swim. Right? And that's where we want to get in God. We want to get where we're over our head. Right? We want to grow in the Lord. So in Romans chapter one, the apostle Paul gives us four steps. He shows us progressively how people have gone away from God. Right? But what we're going to do is we're going to take those four steps in reverse. And it is literally how to come back to God, how to connect with God, how to receive from God, and how to go deeper in the things of God. So Romans 1 verse 21 says, When they knew God, they didn't glorify him as God, nor were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish hearts were darkened. So the steps away from God, they didn't glorify him as God. So what we need to do is glorify him as God. And we talked about the number one way that you do that is, right, is by esteeming the word of God. Number two, they weren't thankful, so we need to be thankful. And then this week we're going to be talking about this. They became vain in their imaginations. So what we need to do is recognize the power of our imagination which is what we do when we meditate on the word of God. And then lastly, their foolish hearts are darkened and we want to go through the process to have a good heart. Jesus said either make the tree good and its fruit will be good or make the tree bad and its fruit will be bad. Now Jesus is talking about your heart and he says you can make your heart good or you can make it bad. Uh, this week I, I sat down at the kitchen table and I wrote down 11 steps. 11 things that causes your heart to become good or become bad. And we're going to get to that in a couple of weeks. All right. So they became vain in their imagination. Now, that doesn't mean their imagination isn't working. It's working against them. Right. Your imagination can work for you or it can work against you. They have the wrong use of their imagination. And literally, it's taking them away from God and it's taking them into sin. Uh, this morning at eight o'clock, I sat down with a couple of uh, the key leaders in, in, in our, our staff, and uh, we were mentioning this a little bit. And, and Pastor Bernie, who said, "Yeah, people use their imagination. They use it wrong. They use it to sin." Huh? 
Now, I think that you know this, but I just want to be sure that you know this, right? As a man thinks in his heart, the Bible says, so is he. So where the mind goes, the man or the woman follows, right? Where the mind goes, the man or the woman follows. So if your imagination, in fact, James talks about this, you have the wrong thoughts and it's like you conceive, right? And as you think about it, right? Sooner or later, you're going to give birth to that thing, right? So you can be thinking about the wrong things and he's talking about giving birth to sin, right? If you let your imagination go wild, just go in a negative way, that's what's going to happen, right? So we need to recognize the power of our imagination or the power of meditating on God's word. Now, 2 Timothy chapter 2, uh, 2 Timothy, excuse me, chapter 3, verse 16 says this. This is what God's word does. It says, every part of scripture is God-breathed. And it's useful in one way or another. Showing us truth. Now, you know this. We live in a society that doesn't even believe in absolute truth. Right? Somebody said, what is truth? Truth is what God says it is. It's not what you think it is. It's not what I think it is. Right? It's what God says it is. And God's word is absolute truth. So God's word, if we meditate on it, it shows us what truth is. It exposes our rebellion. Okay. It corrects our mistakes. It trains us to live God's way. And through that word, when we meditate on the word, we are put together and shaped for the task that God has for us. As you meditate on God's word, Right? It is going to equip you. It's going to put you together to fulfill the purpose that you were created for. Psalms 1, verse 1. Blesses the man who doesn't walk in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scuffle. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law, he meditates day and night. So what does the man, woman do? We meditate in God's word, right? Now, where are we going to meditate? In God's word. So what that's telling us is this. There are going to be thoughts coming into your mind, right? And uh, you need to realize there are some thoughts you need to reject, right? You cannot let those things stay in your mind. You meditate on those things, they're going to bring forth, right? So Martin Luther is attributed to saying this first. He said, you cannot stop a bird from flying over your head, but you can stop him from making a nest in your hair. Hmm? So you can't stop a thought from coming, but you can stop from meditating on that thought. Right? So in Jesus is talking about this in Mark, the fourth chapter, he talks about the sower. He said, you know, he sows in the field and he gets up, he rises up and he goes to bed and it sprouts, it says, he does not know how, right? But he said, it brings forth. It brings forth of itself, right? So here's what Jesus is saying. When he said it brings forth of itself, it literally means it brings forth automatically, right? And the, the place where that seed is sown is in your heart. And what you sow in your heart is going to bring forth automatically. So if you're watching constant negative news, Right? And you're sowing that in your heart. Do you know what you're going to reap? 
It's going to automatically bring forth. You say, but I don't want it to bring forth. Yeah, but you put that seed in your heart and it's going to bring forth fear. If you're getting on your device and you're getting on a pornographic site, you're sowing that seed into your heart. You know what it's going to produce? You say, I don't want it to produce. It's going to produce. And it's going to produce lust. What you sow is going to automatically, because your heart is going to bring forth fruit of itself. So what Jesus is saying, you better be sure you plant the right seed inside your heart. Right? What's the right seed? God's word is the right seed. Right? Jesus said the gospel of the kingdom. It's the seed. Right? Now, when you, when you sow that in your heart, you're going to reap the harvest that you probably want, but you should want to reach. So where your mind goes, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So where your mind goes, the man or the woman is going to follow. I think a really good example of this is in 1 Kings chapter 19. Now, we have the prophet Elijah. He goes to the wicked king Ahab. And he says, there will be no rain and there will be no dew until I, these years until I say so. Ah, he thought that guy's nuts. Let's him go. And lo and behold, no rain, no dew, no rain, no dew. And finally he's looking everywhere for him. He can't find him because God's got him hidden. And the Bible says that every day, every morning, every evening, that God sends a raven with a whopper. It says bread and meat. Does that sound like a whopper? That sounds like a whopper to me, right? The only thing he didn't have was ketchup, which would, of course, been the will of God. Ketchup right there. Uh, you know, Jeannie's been trying to get me delivered from ketchup for quite a few years. And uh, I'm getting there. I'm, I'm much better than I used to be. Uh, quite a few years ago, oh, probably 15, 16, maybe even a little longer than that, uh, I was with one of the guys from church here, and we were having lunch, and uh, just down down the street on 44th Street, it was a restaurant, and I was having a steak, and and I like ketchup, you know, and and so I was baptizing it, but not like a Presbyterian, you know, they just sprinkled a little bit. I was Baptist, I was immersing that thing in ketchup, you know, and I ate that steak and I enjoyed it, and we got done, and, and I kind of waved at the waitress for the for the bill. And uh, she said, that guy over there, he paid for it. And I look over and I'm like, I don't know who that is. He sees me looking and he comes over and he gives me his business card. He's the Heinz ketchup salesman. <laughs> and he said, I had to buy your lunch. He said, I've never seen anybody enjoy ketchup as much as you. <laughs> and then we talked for a minute and he says, well, what do you do? And I said, well, I passed her up the street. He came the next Sunday, got saved. So God can even use ketchup, you know, about, I don't know, 12, 15 years later, um, I used that illustration. He was in the audience, still serving God to this day, to this day. So, oh, I know how we got off on that. Okay. So, so, so they're bringing, the ravens are bringing bread and they're bringing meat, right? But then the brook dries up and God says, Hey, go to Seraphath. There's a widow there. And I've commanded her to provide for you. You know, the story he gets there. All she has is a handful of flour in a little bin and a little bit of oil on the bottom of a cruise. And she takes care of the prophet and she gets a continuous miracle. Every time she puts her hand in the bin, there's more flour. 
Every time she pours oil, it multiplies and there's more, right? Continuous miracle. Her son dies and he raises her son from the dead, right? Then he goes and shows himself to the, to the wicked king Ahab. They get all the prophets of Baal together. He prays, fire falls from heaven, consumes the sacrifice. They kill the 450 prophets of Baal. He goes up on top of the mountain. He prays, in comes this storm. There's lightning, there's thunder. It's black and it's raining. And the Bible says the spirit of the Lord comes on him and he outruns the king's chariot from Mount Carmel to Jezreel, which is 18 miles. How many of you know this is a good day? All right. But Ahab's wife is Jezebel and she hates this prophet. So she sends word and she says, so let the gods do to me and more also. If I don't make your life like the one of them, one of those prophets you just killed by tomorrow about this time. So she threatens him. I'm going to take your life. And the Bible says when he saw that he arose and ran for his life. He ends up at a mountain. And this is what God says. What are you doing here? What are you doing here? He wasn't supposed to be there. He was supposed to be bringing revival to Israel. But when that wicked queen, can't queen, excuse me, threatened him, he saw that. Right? Now, you, you know this. You think in, you think in pictures. Right? So he sees a picture of himself being killed. If, if I say dog... Everybody gets a picture of a dog. But if I say black dog, many of you, your picture changed. If I say big black dog, well, all your chihuahuas are out. A big black dog with a white spot. You go, oh, now changing again, right? It was growling. Now, every time I say something, your picture changes because you think in pictures. Right? So when he saw her threat, he saw himself being killed by this wicked queen. He gets up, he takes off, and he runs. Listen, your life is always going to move in the direction of your dominant thoughts. Where the thought goes, the man or the woman will follow. Joshua 1.8. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate therein day and night. You shall meditate therein day and night. So God is telling you that you can control your thoughts, that you don't need to receive every thought that comes in. You can make sure that you're thinking, meditating on the right things. And notice, this is very important, that you may observe to do according to all that's written therein. So the purpose of meditation, meditating on God's word, is so that you do. It's not just so you have knowledge. It's so that you do. And when you're meditating, you're seeing yourself do what the Bible says. You're seeing how it applies to you. In Mark chapter 16, Mark's gospel, the last words of Jesus in Mark's gospel are these. They will lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Right? So you meditate on that and you may meditate on it and you say, you know, I'm sick. And I'm going to have hands laid on me. And when hands are laid on me, I'm going to believe, believe in God. And I'm going to walk away, but I'm going to recover. 
God is going to fulfill his word. You begin to talk about it. You begin to see it. Or you could meditate on that same scripture and say, you know what? I'm going to start laying hands on people. I'm going to lay hands on them. I'm going to pray for them. And God is going to cause them to recover. And you just continue to meditate on that. Now, somebody said, when do I meditate enough? This is, this is, this is, for, this is kind of where, where I'm at. When, when it gets in my dreams, right? when I start dreaming about what I'm meditating on, uh, it, it's getting down deep on the inside. Right? And one of the definitions of meditation is deep thoughts. It's your deep thoughts. It's not just some casual thinking about it. Right? Now, Terry Foy mentions this in uh, her book, Imagine Big. She says, there have been studies that indicate that the average person talks to themselves about 50,000 times a day. And 80% of what you tell yourself is negative. Right? Things like, they don't like me. I'm never going to get a promotion. I, I'm a terrible speaker. I'm always late. I could never get organized. I'm never going to get out of this position that I'm in. I'm never going to get delivered. All that negative. You know what the Bible is supposed to do? It's supposed to change the way you see yourself. Right? Um, Romans 12, verse 2 says, be transformed by changing the way you think. Right? And meditation has to do with thinking. Right? So your life is transformed by changing the way you think. Most people believe your life is transformed by prayer. But it's not. Now, I've told this story before, but I think it, I want to hear it myself. So here we go. We were in the other building, the, uh, the older sanctuary. And after a service, I was up front and I talked with a couple people, prayed with a few people. And, and there was a man who came down the aisle and he waited maybe four rows back until everybody else was gone. And by the time he walked up to me, there were literally, there were just tears coming down his face. And, and he said, pastor, he said, I'm committing adultery. He says, I've been committing adultery for about a year and a half. He says, I don't even enjoy it. He says, I don't want to do it anymore. He said, but I just can't quit. He said, would you pray for me? And I said, I'll pray for you, but it won't do any good. Now, I said that because I wanted him to, to understand that prayer alone does not change you. You are transformed by changing the way you think. All right. Anytime you or I are in sin, it's because we believe a lie. We are believing something that is not true. We believe that that sin is better for us than going God's way. So this is what I said to him. I said, every day, I said, from now on, I said, every day you read Proverbs 5 and Proverbs 7. And you say, why did you say that? Well, those are the two chapters in Proverbs that talk about sexual sin and the consequences of sexual sin. And then I said, now, every week, you need to read the entire story of Samson and see what sexual sin cost him. And every week, you need to read the entire story of David and Bathsheba and what sexual sin cost him. See, 
I said, now, if you'll do that and you'll meditate on that, I said, it'll change the way you're thinking. And when you change the way you think, you'll change what you do. I said, no, I'm going to pray for you. See, but prayer alone is not going to change him. Listen, there are people that love God that have been doing the same thing for 40 years. Right? And they keep praying and say, God, deliver me. God, help me. Right? And there is help. And there is deliverance. But you've got to change the way you think. Man, we think we had a Presbyterian church. <laughs> As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. You are going to move in the direction of your dominant thoughts. Now, listen, Jesus said this. This is uh, Mark 4, 24. And, and I've got the classic amplified translation here. He said to them, be careful what you're hearing. Right? I want to tell you something. You can go to the wrong church and it'll kill you. You hear that? They, don't, they, they believe God made you sick and God wants you sick. Now, you got to be careful what you hear. Right? The measure of thought and study, it's meditation, that you give to the truth that you hear will be the measure of virtue and knowledge that comes back to you. And more besides will be given to you who hear. That word virtue, literally, you could just put in there anointing, power, understanding, results, Moral excellence, benefit, faith, grace. All of those things are going to come when, when we give ourselves to what we hear. When we give thought and study, meditation to what we hear. Uh, just, and I'm a big Bible reader. Those of you that know me know I'm, I'm a big Bible reader. Right? But you've got to do more than just read it. All right? Um, we don't have the. I remember years ago when our oldest son was probably one and a half years old. We had him in his high chair, and we gave him spaghetti. And he took that little bowl of spaghetti, and he flipped it and put it on top of his head. Now he had an experience with food, but he did not get any nutrition. There was no help. Right? And, 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 and if all you do, you, you read a chapter in the Bible and you don't know what you read. Now, you had an experience with the Bible, but you didn't get any nutrition. Right? You, you've got to get it down on the inside of you. All right? In fact, w- w- one of the synonyms of meditation is rumination, which is what a cow does. You know, you get to that cow, you put it out in the pasture and it nibbles up that green grass. But you watch in a little while it goes, lays down and it regurgitates and it rechews everything that it's chewed. All right. And it's getting every bit of every vitamin, every mineral, every bit of nutrition that it possibly can out of that same food. Right. And that's what we have to do with the word of God. Right. It's not just hearing it. You got to meditate in it. Right. Bible says day and night that you may observe to do according to all that's written therein. And listen to this. Then you will make your way prosperous and you will have good success. Now, sometimes what people think, well, I've heard that before. Um, Yesterday, I think about 930 in the morning, I get a call from a pastor in, in Battle Creek 
And he says, uh, I've got an evangelist with me. And he says, we want to come up and, and talk to you. Can we, can we have lunch? And I said, sure. So they came up and uh, I had salmon. I like salmon, right? I'm going to leave today. And you know what I'm going to have? Salmon, all right? And tomorrow I'm planning to go for lunch with somebody. And you know what I'm going to have? Salmon. You say, yeah, but you know what salmon's like. Yeah, that's why I want some, because it's good, right? It's not just good one time. It's good every time, right? It's got nutrition every single time. And, and, and so often people think, well, I know, I know all about that John 3, 16. You know, I know about that verse. Yeah, but there's nutrition in there for you every single time. And literally, you can read the same scripture a thousand times, and there's more in there. There is more in there. You meditate on the word. It says this in 1 Peter 2.2, 2, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. Jesus said, you don't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. So Jesus, with his disciples, they come to this area of Caesarea Philippi. And Jesus said to his disciples, he said, well, who do the people think I am? And they said, some think you're John the Baptist risen from the dead. And others think you're like one of the prophets of old that has risen from the dead. Some think you're Elijah or Jeremiah or one of the other prophets. And Jesus said, but who do you say that I am? And Peter responded and he said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus said this, he said, flesh and blood did not reveal this to you but my father who is in heaven. In other words, what Jesus is saying, there is some things you can learn by studying, but there's some things you get by revelation, right? So you begin to meditate in the word of God and you are setting yourself up for revelation from the spirit of God, right? It wasn't that he figured something out. It was the spirit of God came and revealed it to him. In Psalms 39 and verse 3, the, the, the psalmist said, my heart was hot within me while I mused or while I meditated, the fire burned. He's saying, I'm meditating in the word of God. And while I'm meditating, I just sense something on the inside. It's burning. There is revelation coming. There's anointing coming. There's grace coming. There's power coming. You see, something's happening as he is meditating on God's word. Now, I'm going to close with this scripture, and I'm going to ask Jeannie to come up for a minute. Um, we were uh, with uh, some friends, uh, an evangelist and uh, a pastor up in Leland this week, and uh, we were sitting around talking and uh, Jeannie came, she, she had written a poem and put it in her Bible a few years ago, and I'd never heard it before. But I asked her to come up and share that, but I want to share a verse before she does. James 1, verse 22 says, But be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving ourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word, and not a doer, he's like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. He observes himself. He goes away and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. So he's saying the word of God is a mirror. And when you read God's word, you're going to find out who you are. You're going to find out what belongs to you. You're going to find out what you can do. 
When you read the word of God, you're going to see this is, this is me. This is what Jesus has done for me. This is the authority Jesus has given me. He says, but you can walk away and forget about it and just keep on acting normal. It's like if I get up in the morning and go to the mirror, uh, some of you have bad hair days. I don't have any bad hair days. I have not combed my hair in 10 years. You say, why? Because it's short. That's why I like it short. I don't need to wash that. Don't need to comb it. Don't need to do anything. All right. Just a little soap and we're ready. All right. But if I get up in the morning, I notice, you know, I got my, my beard and I just, oh yeah, there it is. I got a crusty coming out of my nose and go, oh, look at that crusty. And I just go and take off. I mean, it did me no good to look in the mirror. All right. If you look in your Bible and you see who God says you are, you see what Jesus has done to you. You see what belongs to you. You see who you are in Christ. And then you just go off and, and you do not apply it to your life. That you meditate there in day and night that you may do, right? That you may do according to all that's written therein. So God's word is a mirror. And God's word will show you who you really are. God's word will show you what belongs to you. God's word will show you what you can do. It'll show you the authority that you have. But when we see that, we've got to apply it in our life. We've got to do it. So, babe, go ahead. Yeah. Um, when I was, the, the mirror on our wall shows us what we are on the outside. And just like he described, because if you have an image on the inside of how, I can look at the mirror and I think, that doesn't look like how I want to look. I have an image on the inside that has the hair combed and looks better. So then we, we fix our image to match what's on the inside of us. That's why it's so important to see the Word and see what God sees in us. And, and um, I was so inspired by this verse in 3 John that says, Anyone who does what is evil has not seen God. Uh, and it says, Do not imitate what is evil but what is good. And I realized how seeing God affects my doing, like what he's saying, you know, this image. So I better get to the poem. Um, (laughs) Sorry, honey. So mirror, mirror on the wall, you tell me what I'm not at all. For though the outside facts you show, there's more to me, I'll have you know. What counts is what's inside of me, and it affects the part you see. If my thoughts are failure and hurt, The one you see will look like dirt, but if I choose to think God's thoughts about myself, I'll change a lot, and bit by bit, I can become the spitting image of his son. Great. Great. All right. Hey, would you, if you can, take the hand of somebody that's next to you and every head bowed, every eye closed. The Bible really does have the answers to all of life's questions, but it also has the greatest questions. For example, the Bible says, what is your life? What's your life? And if I I were to go around and and say to different people, what's your life? I I guarantee you, somebody would say, my life's happy. Somebody else would say, my life is a wreck. Somebody would say, my life's my family. Somebody else would say, my life is my job. Someone would say, my life's going somewhere. And there's somebody who'd say, my life's going nowhere. But the Bible answers the question, what is your life? It says, your life is but a vapor. It's here for a moment, and it's gone. 
you know, in the fall, in the winter, you step outside and you breathe and you see your breath and it's there for five seconds and it's gone. The Bible says in light of eternity, your life, however many years it is, it's just like that vapor and it's here and it's gone. And I tell you, I, 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 the, the older you get, the more you realize it's so short. Just here, it's a vapor, it's gone. The Bible has another great question. It says, what will the end be? What will the end be? You know, there are really, there are two possible endings. There's heaven and there's hell. Those are the only two. There's no middle ground. The third question, what must I do to be saved? What must I do to be saved? You know, they answered and said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. You will be saved. You and your house. This goes for your house as well. Um, Bible believing is different than mental assent. What most people have is just mental assent. They say, yeah, I believe that's true, but it doesn't change anything about their life. See, Bible believing is more than mental assent. It's more than just saying, yeah, I think that that happened. I believe that happened. Bible believing is acknowledging something is true, but then acting in a way that changes what you were doing. Acting in a way that proves that you believe what you claim to believe. It's not just enough to say mentally, yeah, that, that happened, but it's got to change your life. If it doesn't change your life, it's not Bible believing. Now, in a group of this size, there's always people in every spiritual condition, people that have lived for God for decades. But I promise you, there's people that are here, and not just a few, that you do not know where you stand with God. If I'd say, are you a Christian? You say, I hope so, I'm trying to be. Are you going to heaven? I'll find out when I die. The Bible says, we've written these things that you may know, that you have everlasting life. If you don't know you're forgiven, right with God, on your way to heaven, you're not where you should be with God. And there's others of you, you're away from God, you need to come back. Some, you just know, I'm, I'm so far from God. But I want you to know this, God's reaching out to you. The reason that you're here is that God is reaching out to you. He loves you. So this is what we're gonna do. We're gonna pray a prayer. Now, if you will pray this prayer from your heart, say, I believe these things, and I am changing my life, and I'm going to live for Jesus. When we say amen, you're going to be right with God. You're going to believe the Bible way, and the result is you will be saved, forgiven, right with God, on your way to heaven. So by, as your head's bowed, I want you to repeat this out loud. Make these words your own. Say, oh God, I believe Jesus died on the cross. I believe his blood paid for my sins, and I believe that he rose again. I give Jesus all of my heart, all of my life. I hold nothing back. I'm not going to live for myself any longer. I'm living for Jesus. He's my king. He's my Lord. I thank you. You've heard my prayer. My past is gone, and I'm a part of your kingdom today and forever. 
In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. We hope you've been encouraged by this message. For more information, if you're in need of prayer or just want to connect with the community, go to reslife.org, follow us on social media, or email us anytime at reslife at reslife.org. We hope you have a blessed day, and we will see you again soon.